I need you up here. Sister Rachel, would you come to this front, please? <clears throat> Very day to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Rachel. Happy birthday to you. You're welcome. So in this lesson today, we want to we talk about the focus of our, of our lesson is life. Now, uh, periodically I give you kind of instructions. That I, we want your input, and we want you to, but we, we do not want you to go on rabbit trails. Uh, we don't want uh, questions that, uh, that or, or comments maybe that have no bearing on what we talk about. If, we, if you want to talk about that, we can talk about that a little bit later. But we want to talk about life, not just life, but living. And, uh, and for life to be enjoyable, there must be joy and hope in a life. And so I, I just, I, I got to thinking and I, I pulled up some things that, that uh, I, I felt like that we needed to, we needed to bring out. And, uh, and it's some uh, Old Testament things that, that we want to talk about to relate with the, with the New Testament uh, hope. Okay, uh, let's cover some basic Old Testament scriptures that all the doctrine hinges on, okay? Uh, first of all, I want to take you to uh, Genesis 9 and verse number 4. It says, but flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall ye not eat. Now, this is, this is God instructed Noah. Uh, we understand that that from the very first, this was instructed to the to the people of uh, uh, mankind to, to mankind from the first. Now, God instructed Noah this again: it, the the blood shall not be eaten. The blood represents life. The instruction here is is the value of blood, the value of life. It is something very special and precious. It seems like with all the comments and all the stuff going on in our world today, and especially with, with some of the countries that uh, uh, place zero value on life. Zero. Life is meaningless. Life is worthless. In fact, they even instruct young kids to... Uh, to commit suicide, to blow up somebody, to take another life. It is of no value. Why would it be of no value in the United States? First of all, when, when uh, it's so easy for abortion, it's, it's teaching us and talking to us that life is not very valuable. You can, you can uh, have all the time, you can find uh, just about anybody that you want to that, that would save the whale. You put a notice out there that, that somebody's going to uh, kill an animal, and uh, 
you know, that people rise up in arms. Life is very valuable. I, I think more than anything, I want, I want our church to, to understand the value of life. And so uh, the instruction that's given, it says don't eat the blood because it is the representation of life. And so I think it's going to be uh, even more enlightening when we begin to look into the Word. And, and it's not something that you probably don't know. You're, you're, I'm sure you're all well-versed and aware in this. But let's, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse number 23. Here it is. Now it's under the, under the Mosaic law, and uh, it's, it's given again. Only be sure that thou eat not the blood, for the blood is the life and thou mayest not eat the life with the flesh. There were, there were so many instructions, so many rules pertaining to this, how that, how that uh, the, the, uh, the blood had to be drained and, and the importance to, to not eat uh, the blood. I remember, never forget, uh, when I was just a kid, we had a next-door neighbor that was... Uh, I think it was maybe German or something like that, but they made blood pudding. I mean, that just it sounds so appetizing. And uh, I'm sure that, uh, that each one of you are just thinking right now, man, let's go home and see if we can find some of that somewhere. Make sure you do not eat the blood. Why? Once again. Life is in the blood. Now, to really understand this, remember it was drilled home into them over and over and over. This was a major focal point. In fact, in, in, the, uh, in the early church, there was, there was all sorts of, uh, uh, I just thought about it, had not thought about it until this point, and there was all sorts of uh, uh, questions concerning the law and what part of the law that should be obeyed and, and certain things. And, and, uh, and so basically, the, the, what was told was don't eat the blood. Flee fornication, adultery, and some other things, whatever it was there. And, uh, and basically, make sure you do not eat the blood. Once again, why? Because the blood is the life. Isn't it thought-provoking that, and, and, and remarkable also that, that so emphatically God commands this. So emphatically God gives this to us. He, he nails it home. Don't eat the blood. Do not eat the blood. What's the big deal? Why is this such a big deal? Why is this so important? Why does he, he go over and over in this? Why is it so necessary? We know much of the Old Testament is a shadow of the substance of the New Testament. And so we understand also that the Old Testament begins to reference types and examples built on solid foundational 
principles of the Word of God. Uh, it's not some drastically new concept of things. When we look at the, at the New Testament, it's not just suddenly God closed out the Old Testament, shoved it under, under some uh, dark, in some dark cave, and said, okay, let's start on something new. Didn't happen that way at all because everything in the new is based on principles of the old. Everything in the new was, is, is examples and, 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 uh, and patterns of things in the old. And so when you have a prophet like Isaiah saying this, line upon line, it's not some new concept. When Isaiah says precept upon precept, here a little and there a little, what it is, the Old Testament begins to put together one thing after another, one generation, one writer, and then another writer. And then when you build all of that together, then suddenly you have the doctrine that is there. And so, so there is a scripture, and I, I have uh, referred this to you uh, several times. And it's, I, I keep it on my, on my desk. I've had it for years, and I keep it to remind myself of this. And it just simply says this, keep thy, in Proverbs 4 and 23, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Keep your heart. Keep it with all diligence. Now, what does really that word diligence mean? Well, we know it in the, in the English of, of uh, making sure all the I's are dotted, the T's are crossed, and, and to, to uh, be, be like a, almost like a bulldog faith holding on, right? Well, diligence means to guard closely. Guard your heart very, very closely because what comes out of the heart is going to be very, very important for you. Is the heart important to the body? What does the heart do? Anybody help me? Do what? Where'd you get that at? I mean, where? I've never heard of that. Do, does anybody else believe that? Well, most of you. And some of you are afraid not to nod. <laughs> Absolutely it's correct, is it not? And so the, so the heart pumps the blood. What happens when the blood quits flowing? Do what? You die. What happens when the, when the blood quits flowing to certain parts of your body? It dies. And so when, when you begin to understand that, that uh, the blood is so important, in fact, we refer it to the life's blood because it is so important. So wouldn't it be important spiritually? 
that the life is flowing through your spiritual veins, so to speak. Keep your heart with all diligence. Guide your heart because out of the heart are the issues of life and, and out of the heart, out of your heart, and we're talking uh, here, and uh, in, in is, is the heart being, being uh, maybe, maybe the, not, not the mind, but, but being the focal point of your spiritual life, that, that out of that heart flows the nutrients and, 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 uh, and what would sustain your spiritual life. So keep your heart with all diligence. The heart is used here as an example of the human heart. Spiritually, we must keep our motives right. Spiritually, we, we must keep our actions right. And they must be in line and in tune with God. I stand behind this podium. So I can say I have no problems. You know that's not true. All of us. In fact, the Apostle Paul says what? I die daily. What does that mean? That means we, you know, as a little kid, we used to sing years ago. I guess they don't sing these songs anymore, but he's still working on me. He's, he's, we're still a work in progress. God is still perfecting us and working on us. And so uh, <clears throat> life is in the blood. Okay, let's look at Proverbs chapter 4 and uh, in verse number 13. It says, take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. Whoa, I can't believe that. Instruction is our life. Instruction is what's pumping through our heart spiritually. Anybody have a, have a guess of what instruction means without going to Strong's Concordance? Anybody have a guess of what, what instruction means? Anybody? You're afraid, aren't you? That is pretty good, Kyle. <clears throat> it is correction, which is basically that. Now, does anybody like correction? Okay, I've got five people that I've noticed some things about you in the last couple of weeks. So I'm going to pull you up here in front, and then we're going we're gonna to talk about them. Sister Grace, you know you're going first. I mean, do we like it when God points us out? Do we like it when somebody else corrects us? Mm-mm. But the Word of God talks about instruction, which is, which is correction or chastisement. Mm, I don't... Now, what about that? It says here that it's life. It brings life to 
you and me. It brings life to our hearts. And so when we, when we begin to understand that, it says, it says hold that instruction, hold that correction closely. Instruction is life. Everything and all pointed to a promised Messiah. In John 10 and 10, it says, The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that more abundantly. Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life, and not just life, abundant life. The life is how? Who? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus has come that we might have life. Jesus' purpose is to bring life unto us. How did he bring life? How did he bring abundant life? Through his blood. How did we get his blood? Sir? Okay, I'm, I'm looking for something else. That's, that is correct. He died for us. He gave up his life that we might have life and that more abundantly. Okay, remember what the early scriptures said. Remember that life is in the blood. Life is in the blood. Life is where? In the blood. And so Jesus died, and uh, his blood was shed for man's sins. Jesus knew no sin, but he took on our sin. He took on our trespasses that, that we might have forgiveness of sins. And after he rose again, now we can apply that blood for remission of sins. And now look at John chapter 3 and verse number 16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That you and I might have everlasting life. What is everlasting life? One word. Eternal. Yeah, y'all are, are all around it. And yeah, it's, <clears throat> I said one word, but it's actually two. Eternal life. We'll put the life with it. Eternal life. And so, <clears throat> so uh, in, in John chapter 14 and 6, our 90 days, or 90 verses in 90 days. We've read them over and over and over. It seems like we keep hitting them every time. Uh, Jesus saith in him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Life is found in Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Where does life come from? Whoa, how did you get that, Brother Sam? Oh, okay. <laughs> the, 
Life comes through Jesus Christ. And I believe that Brother um, Larson said that uh, through the name of Jesus. Life comes through Jesus Christ. Okay, life is found in Jesus. In John chapter 1 and verse number 4, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. In Jesus Christ was life. And that life found in Jesus Christ became light for you and I. Amen. Now, let's, let's go to 1 John chapter 5 and, and verse 11 and 12. And here in just a moment, I want to I switch gears and kind of point us in another direction. But I wanted us, I wanted us to get this first. I wanted us to, to cover this first. In verse number 11. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Verse 12. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Do you know what that just said? If you don't have the Son, you don't have life. Who is the Son? In 1 John chapter 1, verse number 2, For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. Life was manifested unto us. How was it manifested unto us? Through Jesus Christ. What does manifested mean? Do what? Reveal. Where did you get that, Brother Lindsay? I just love to argue with folks. Don't you, don't you notice that? You're completely wrong, Brother Lindsay. Sorry to tell you that. No, you're completely right. That was revealed as, was the word. I just, just, I just love doing that. Is that okay for me to pick on Brother Lindsay? Where's Brother Keith? He's next. No. Uh, reveal. When Jesus, Jesus was revealed. Now, folks, please, don't quit responding on me just because I'm messing with you. Because I want you to, I want you to, what I want you to do is, is those things that, that, that we believe, I want you to emphatically declare to me, no, this is what it is. That's, you remember what the old timers preaching? And they'd get on to something, and they'd get off just on purpose and make everybody in the congregation correct them? Y'all remember that? Supposedly, I guess that is what makes it memorable. <clears throat> okay, so how do we have life through Jesus Christ? Let me read for you in John chapter 3 and verse 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him forever. So we believe. What does Hebrews 11 and 6 say? 
He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We've got to believe that he is, that, that, that he is our Messiah. He is our Christ. He is, he is our Lord, and he is our Savior. And so when we begin to believe on him, when we begin to look to him, the author and finisher of our faith, when we begin to cast all our cares upon him, when we begin to look at him that way, when we begin to call upon on the name of Jesus, as we accept Jesus Christ in our lives, as we, as we repent of our sins and, and uh, tell God we're sorry for, for all of the sins and we're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and we receive the glorious uh, uh, Holy Ghost. Where, where is the blood applied? Anybody? Can anybody tell me? Where is the blood applied? Okay, in baptism. Anybody else? In repentance? Baptism, repentance. Man, we're far away. Any other place? Getting hold. Y'all are messing with me tonight. Every one of you has got a different opinion. Well, it happens at all of those. The blood is applied in all of those. Amen. And so, uh, <clears throat> so when we when we begin, that's why uh, people can feel a life changing experience. I've had people tell me that that when they repented of their sins, it was the greatest experience that they'd ever felt. I've had other people tell me that when they were baptized, it was the greatest experience that they'd ever felt. I've had other people tell me when they received the Holy Ghost, it was the greatest experience they had ever felt. Uh, so so. How can it be different people, different things? Because the blood is applied in all three of these. And so we, we need to go on to perfection. So when, when you know, I remember, I remember years ago, and I almost hate to bring this up. Uh, Sister McBride don't, doesn't, doesn't like me talking about this. Just kidding. She... Uh, but it's been on my mind a while. I remember in the, in the uh, years and years ago, years and years ago, Brother Larson, I remember they used to call us Jesus only. Anybody remember that? You know, I remember the old timers because I was just a kid when they called us that. But it ticked them. They didn't like that. And, uh, and because uh, they, they, they hated that, that reference to them as Jesus only. Why? Because we believe in the Father. We believe in the Son. We believe in the Holy Ghost. And so uh, when, you know, we, we don't deny the Father. We don't deny the Son or the Holy Ghost. We believe in each, each manifestation, in each, each office. But uh, you might ask me, do you like that tag on it? No, I don't either. But uh, we're more like Jesus altogether. But my question is this. How come we're not referred like that anymore? 
I mean, Jesus is everything. Jesus is all. Jesus is salvation. Jesus is our hope, and Jesus is, is, is our everything. And so I, you know, I want, to, I want to focus on Jesus Christ more than we ever have before. In fact, almost every service you'll hear me referencing this. The world needs Jesus Christ. The world does not need Muhammad. He's dead. He is not a God. The world does not need all of these others. The world needs Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our hope, and Jesus Christ is our answer. And so I, I do want people that hear us to understand that Jesus is the only way. It's the only way to come to God is through Jesus Christ. He's our mediator. There's no other way but through Jesus Christ. And life, the Word of God tells us, is in the blood, Jesus' blood. He died for us on Calvary that we might have life. He, he shed his precious blood that you and I might have life. What really is life? I want to take you to Romans 14, verse number 17. And I'm skipping through because I've still got a lot to cover. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Okay? Let's look at those three. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. True life. What is the most important thing that true life has? Can anybody answer that? Now, there's probably several words. I'm looking for one. Okay, so, so several, several things that you might mention might be true and, and might apply also, but I'm looking for one word. What is, what is one word that, that would, uh, would, I guess, describe our future? One word. Anybody? You're afraid. I've, I've picked on you so much, chastised you so much. Do what? Come on now, Brother Larson. You can do better than that. See, I'm still messing with him, aren't I? It is exactly hope, Brother Larson. That's exactly. What is, what is our hope of? Eternal life. What is our hope of? Heaven. What, are, we, have, we have hope, and that gives, that gives life. What happens when people run out of hope? Nothing to live for, Brother Sam. It's grim. They have nothing to live for. If there's no hope, there's no reason to live. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. So, so now let me, let me ask this question. So true life has hope, hope in Jesus. What is true joy? You know, I read you the scripture. 
For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Some experienced Christian people. What brings joy? I'm, the, I'm not asking, I'm, I, what brings joy? I'm not, please, uh, this is not a clarification thing. This is not a, there, there, another, this can, there can be several answers. Brother Keith, what brings joy? Okay, being filled with the Spirit, that's what the Word of God says. What brings joy to you? Individually. Okay, love. What kind of love? Getting love or sharing love? Giving it. Okay. All right. I guess when you talk about getting it from, we all of us get it from Jesus Christ, right? Okay, somebody else. What brings true joy? Knowing you're saved. Okay, that brings true joy. Somebody else. Looking for what brings joy. Doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be uh, biblically, you know, biblically researched. It's, I'm not looking for for something that, that you can quote scripture and say, so there it is. What brings joy in your life? Sister? Okay, all right, very good. Knowing that it's only for a moment. It's only for a time period. Anybody else? Sister Grace? Very, very good. Very good. All right, anybody else? Tyler? Okay. Very good. For the key? Okay, helping others brings joy. Somebody else? Covered a lot of these. Helping others. I think I think one of the one of the and I and Sister Grace covered that too. Many of you have covered the same thing. Uh, I think it's I think it's it's when when you talk about life is in the blood of Jesus. As Christians, what are we supposed to do? Be servants. Okay, to serve. All right. Um, Brother Keith, I've got some stuff I need you to take care of here. <laughs> oh boy, I just love picking on Brother Keith. And I know you do too. I hear you out in the hallway. And I hear him. 
Uh, remember, just it was a week or so. I'm sorry, go ahead, Brother Larson. Okay. All right. So, so we're talking. We're talking about. We're talking about joy right now. So, uh, we've we've heard all of all of these different comments and all of these these uh, the uh, feedback through there. So, can can you help me put it together? So, so what what is it that would bring joy? I know I've I've covered this and seemingly covering it again, but uh, Sister Grace, would you would you share that with us one more time? Okay, someone to love, something to do, and something to look forward to. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. All right, <clears throat> now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of uh, step out kind of in a, in a little awkward position in the sense that I'm going to bring up something. How do you overcome depression? Anybody here face depression? Uh, you don't have to lift up your hands. I'm sorry, but you know that shouldn't be that shouldn't be a, a shouldn't be a touchy question because I know I, I've got a couple of friends that are fabulous preachers. I mean, they walk in faith and they are fabulous, but every day they deal with depression. Did you have something you wanted to say, Sister Grace?
Pastor Jason and I have often uh, referenced this. The seeds of depression cannot take root in a grateful heart. You know, I think, I, and, and I, I want to I spend some time, and let's spend some time talking about this because, because I see more and more of Christian people, good, solid Christian people, facing, desperately facing depression. And uh, it's, it's a, a dark cloud that hangs over them. But the seeds of depression cannot take root in a grateful heart. Brother Lindsay. All right, praise. In fact, I think it was Spurgeon that made this statement. He said, singing, singing songs spites the devil. Uh, but when we, begin to, when we begin to worship, when we begin to lift up our voice in, in praise and worship, it makes a difference. Are we still on live on the podcast? Thank you all so much for listening to podcasts, and we close at this time.